Hello, everyone. You are listening to Say No to Tyranny, Say Yes to Barbecue podcast on Cruciform's Fill the Earth Network, a network that seeks to flood the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, as it says in Habakkuk 2.14. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? Um, It's nice to have you guys back again listening. Thank you for listening. Follow us, um, subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell mom and dad, tell your dog, tell your cat. I don't care. Just tell somebody. I'd appreciate it. Um, the podcast is, this podcast is all about glorifying God in all areas of life. Christ is king and ruling over every square inch of the earth. Hence, all of Christ for all of life. If today's podcast would be likened to a barbecue dish, you'd be an authentic smoked Texas brisket with an S&P rub, 50% pepper and 50% salt. It would be hickory smoked for about 12-ish hours and cooked to the magical eternal temp of 203 degrees. Did you know that? Did you know that's the magical temp for a brisket? The meat would be slightly pull-apart texture while cutting against the grain. The whole brisket has two different cuts of meat attached to the muscle, and the grain runs in two different directions, causing it to be difficult to cut. Right? If you if you have never attempted before um, to cut a brisket, there's two different parts. The first part's called, or the lean part is called the flat, and the fattier part is called the point. And then when you put them together, it creates the whole brisket. And then there's a muscle slash like fat there holding it together. Well, today's podcast is going to be salty with peppered, sprinkled throughout. The brisket represents local government. We're going against the grain, just like you would if you're cutting a beautifully barked brisket. We're going to pair it with a delicious side of smoked jalapeno mac and cheese. First off, in making a delicious mac and cheese, you'll need to start with a roux. The roux is the foundation that you build on as you continue making your recipe. If you have a great roux slash foundation, you are promised success in the end result of your dish. After the roux, we need to break down the hard noodles and add jalapeno and cheese. And then we throw it all in the refining smoker for about 45 minutes and voila, we are ready to eat. The smoked mac and cheese represents politicians in our local government today on our podcast. Hopefully the mac and cheese isn't too spicy for your palate and my metaphors aren't too cheesy. Grab your favorite IPA and crack it open and let's give thanks. Thou blessed spirit, author of all grace and comfort, come work repentance in my soul. Represent sin to me and its odious callers that I may hate it. Melt my heart by the majesty and mercy of God. Show me my ruined self and help there is in him. Teach me to behold my creator, his ability to save, his arms outstretched, his heart big for me. May I confide in his power and love, commit my soul to him without reserve, bear his image, observe his laws, pursue his service, and be through time and eternity. A monument to this efficiency is grace, is his grace, a trophy of his victory. Make me willing to be saved in his way perceiving nothing in myself, but all in Jesus. Help me not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, be conformed to him, follow him, imperfect, but still pressing forward. 
Not complaining of labor, but valuing rest. Not murmuring under trials, but thankful for my state. Give me that faith which is the means of salvation and the principal medium of all godliness. May I be saved by grace through faith. Live by faith. Feel the joy of faith. Do the work of faith. Perceiving nothing in myself. May I find it in Christ. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Amen. So today we're going to talk about um, local government and the responsibilities the local government has and who they are accountable to. First off, your local government has many different offices, boards, or committees. A lot of these uh, offices are elected positions such as mayor, sheriff, city council, county council, commissioners, etc. But those are the main ones. We're going to talk on today's podcast about local government and the responsibility the local government has and who they are accountable to. First off, your local government has many different offices, boards, or committees. A lot of these offices are elected positions, such as mayor, sheriff, city council, county council, commissioner, etc. There's more, uh, but those are the main ones. The local government has the duty to serve its constituents or voters and to serve them in a certain way. They are accountable to God for how they rule and their intentions of ruling. In some cases, people are inclined to run for a certain local office because it benefits them one way or another. That is a big problem. When this occurs because they are compromised already at the start and they have no backbone or conscience, when it comes to their policy making or interposing on someone's behalf that needs them to do what is right, the first thought that enters their minds of these kinds of politicians are, how will this benefit me? Those are the kinds of people we want to keep out or unseat in our local governments in the next election. Also, these kinds of people, politicians, refuse to stand on what is right but rather stand for what is less resisted because they get elected on self-serving ideas in the first place. Politicians as such are unable ruling in a selfless shepherd kind of way, but in contrary, they are constantly thinking of their interest over the people's interest who uh, they are representing. Also, these kinds of politicians are usually the type that goes along to get along. They're they're that kind of people And, and, and their real motives are to be liked and to advance in their party to higher levels of influence or power. Politicians who have this kind of self-interest mentality weakens the local government because instead of ruling in a manner worthy of the oath they promised before God, they allow their power to be punted up the political chain. And the other politicians with wicked intentions are there waiting to make choices that will always take power away from the county and give it to the state. The most kept secret in a local government is actually how much power they have. In most counties and cities across this land, the individual local government officials are ignorant to the idea on what duties or powers they have because the party they represent doesn't want them to know. Why wouldn't the party want them, the politicians, to know their duties and powers? It's because the state doesn't want them to know. Usually the state representatives control the local parties by grooming young, naive individuals into thinking in the way of the establishment agendas instead of being educated on the state's constitution. If you have children that are interested in getting involved in politics... Don't let them become prey to these kinds of politicians 
that are looking, sitting around, waiting to manipulate and to essentially brainwash young individuals into thinking in the way of the establishment. And they do that at a young age and they bring them up through the ranks and they usually put these kinds of people in charge of the local party branch. To be honest, the state has been trying to take the powers away from the counties for many years now. And our local government is unaware of its happening. We are going to break this all down in today's podcast. So the founding fathers knew what was in the heart of men and how power corrupts the best of individuals. And so knowing this, they created a document and a complicated form of government to put checks and balances all throughout our government, including every level and branch. One of the most important checks and balances the founding fathers created was the local government. The local government is key in slowing down other parts and branches of the government from bad policy and tyranny. For example, if unconstitutional edicts come down from the states, and we've seen a lot of them this year, the local government has the duty to interpose and rule against the higher government to preserve and protect the people's rights in their county and city. We have seen this done in counties uh, all over the country during the COVID nonsense. Two counties around where I live have interposed and made resolutions to make the power or to take the power the state forced on them in an unlawful manner and said no. This is called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Those two counties are Wabash and Kosciuszko counties near me. In those counties, the local officials knew their power and their constitution and the oath on which they sworn by. They had state representatives as well that gave their blessing and helped them break off of party lines to choose principle over party. Leaders like these are few and in between right now. Most counties do not have these kind of men and women who are willing to break ranks and to do the right thing. You may ask, why? Well, true leadership is hard and uncomfortable. To take a stand on your own, you must have conviction and morals in a backbone. We used to have great leaders that we have all read about in our history books. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, or just to name a few. All true leaders are selfless and are willing to fight and die for what they believe. Unfortunately, most politicians and local government believe in comfort, safety, and self-interest. By holding to these beliefs, it reveals on how they govern, and unfortunately, the people they represent suffer for their folly and selfishness. However, there is great news. Local government is vulnerable, and it is easier to infiltrate by God-fearing men and women than one might think. In just one election, it is possible to turn our counties around and make them of the people and for the people once again. We need strong, selfless individuals to flood the ballot boxes in our next election, and we can start changing the way our local government rules. It would be best if these individuals not only profess Christ, but are willing to be crucified with him as well. There is a reason why we've learned and read about those three men and, uh, and women, uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., and Rosa Parks that I mentioned earlier because they did not waver and they gave their life for what was right. 
Our politicians today, for the most part, won't even give their pinky finger. However, as more people wake up and God stirs in more people's hearts, we can and we will find selfless leaders to lead us back to the principles and laws that make society great. Those principles and laws are all based on God's law, and great, humble, selfless leaders know that. Now we have to look and discern on what kind of local leaders we have leading our communities currently. What makes local politics so difficult to engage in and so difficult to want to criticize somebody at a local level is the fact that we who live in a small community know most of our politicians on a personal level. Two mistakes most people make on the standard of whether or not politicians are ruling justly or unjustly are, one, by what kind of access they have to that person in office, And two, how strong of a personal relationship one has with the elected official. It's pretty cool when you can get on your phone and ring the mayor because you know him personally. Right? Uh, Back in 2008, a grassroots political movement started um, called the Tea Party. The Tea Party was a conservative movement that popped up all over the country. They wanted smaller government and lower taxes. They wanted conservatism to be implemented, not just talked about in election year promises from the establishment candidates. In 2010 midterms election, several Tea Party candidates won seats in the Congress and in the Senate. At that time, the Tea Party proclaimed to be anti-establishment and was hoping for true change. What the Tea Party wanted was a good thing. In fact, what they wanted... It was really nothing new at all. What they wanted, they already had. They wanted to. Uh, they wanted their elected officials to look out for them, and they wanted them to stick to the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And they wanted to. St- they wanted them to start governing. Their, they wanted their elected officials to start governing in that kind of way. In 2012, more Tea Party candidates were were elected to the Congress and the House. But, sadly, over time, the Tea Party was proven to be ineffective. And we now know why. Two main reasons the Tea Parties, the Tea Party fell apart. One, when some of them went to Washington, they caved and became part of the same establishment they were determined on defeating. Remember, power corrupts the best of man. That is why it is so important to fear God above all things. Once someone starts getting to know their colleagues on a personal level and starts going out to dinner, parties, kids playing on the same sports team, etc., relationships build and human nature realizes that they are nice and enjoyable to be around. All of a sudden, they find it it makes it harder to say no. It makes it harder to go against them on bad policy because now they have a personal relationship with them. They quickly find out that if they pat so-and-so's back, they will get their backs patted as well, and their life becomes much easier. But if they go against them, they will be isolated and alone. They will have to pay a price. And it's always costly. The antidote from this happening is fear of God over the approval of man. The second reason uh, the Tea Party failed is really interesting. 
when they first started in 08, they wouldn't even allow an establishment Republican to hold the microphone at any of their events. However, in 2010, Tea Party participants didn't care who grabbed the mic as long as they were able to shake their hands and be noticed. What proved out over two short years was that generally the people who were a part of the Tea Party didn't really want conservatism. They wanted access. They cared more about earthly idols than conservatism. When people have access to people in power, they feel they belong and it makes them feel special. This terrible sin of fear of man and seeking man's approval over God has brought the Tea Party crashing down to destruction in four short years. Access over principle is the single most crippling action that affects local politics. That is why communities keep re-electing the same old status quo politicians because they are nice people and they know them personally and they get the attention they need and want which in return makes them feel good. Now, one thing we must realize if you or we are going to start building our community right from the ground up is this. Nice people can make terrible politicians. Just because a person knows a politician on a personal level doesn't mean they are good leaders. Just because you go to church with your state senator or your state representative doesn't mean he is ruling in a God-fearing manner. We must be honest in who we vote for and judge their leadership by their fruits. Their fruits such as legislation they author, co-author, vote yes or no on. We should, we should know on what our representatives are doing down at the state house. We should know what our representatives are doing in our city government. And, and we should know what the mayor's doing, what the city council's doing. We should know what our elected officials are doing in our county government, the sheriff, the county council, the commissioners. We should know as a citizen or a resident of the county that you live in, we should know these kinds of things. And if we don't, we need to get to know. And it's very easy. Just go to your state, uh, your county website, And all the information will be there and you look through it and you can see how they're voting. You can see what their agendas are. You can see all kinds of things. And we need to get to know who we have representing representing us if we don't. So that's how we know them by their fruits, all right? Our church-going politicians are the main reason. Now, this is is tough, okay? But it's true. Our church-going politicians are the main reason abortion is still legal in our nation and in our state. We as voters must vote out of our fear of God and not our personal feelings toward an individual candidate or party. So how can we as residents of our community know what a just politician looks like? Oh, the precious word where all wisdom comes from. How to lead rightly is not as subjective as one might think. It's clear to rule in a manner which is to have positive results. We must turn to the source where all answers are found, and that is the precious word of God. In 2 Samuel 23, 3 and 4, it reads, The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he, don, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For 
leaders to rule justly over men, they must fear the Lord, we just read. When a person governs through fearing the Lord, it is refreshing to the people. And the people flourish because God's ways are what all people must have to live a life pleasing to each individual. When ruling in the fear of the Lord, pragmatism falls flat and is exposed for what it truly is. And that's compromise. And fearing man over God and seeking man's approval over God's approval. We must stop ruling in a pragmatic way. Elected officials who rule pragmatically are not ruling in the framework that God commands. Nowhere in scripture does Almighty God say to compromise. In fact, he says the opposite. Nowhere in scripture are we to compromise on issues such as abortion, homosexual marriage, reparations for past generational sins. What does God's word say about killing our unborn children? Proverbs 24, 11 says this, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. As Christians, God commands us to do things. We're commanded to hold back or to rescue those people that are being taken away to death. As Christians, we are called to end abortion. As politicians who actually have the authority to do this, and fails to do it, God's judgment's going to be on you. This text alone proves leaders who rule in a pragmatic way are foolish and are in denial of God's law. It also shows they have little faith in God, sovereign rule, and trusts man's understanding over God's wisdom. God says life begins at conceptions and uh, life begins at conception in Psalm 139. Now, I'm not saying homosexuals shouldn't have rights because they should. And the the fact that they are image bearers of God, but they can't take marriage and say it belongs to them because God says it's between one man and one woman. You may be thinking, did he just say that? Yes, you can see where true leadership is hard and uncomfortable, but true leadership doesn't entertain wickedness. True leadership wants to bless the people that they are leading Jesus Christ came to serve, according to Philippians 2. To identify good leaders, we need to look also to King David for some of the answers, but ultimately we need to lean on Christ because he was the greater David. And we already read First and Second Samuel, or I'm sorry, we already read 2 Samuel 23, 3 and 4. But let's also take a little closer um, comparison on, on, on David and Saul. It doesn't take long to see that Saul was a leader after his own desires. Over and over, he shows he'd rather get wisdom from man than from God. He ended up being a terrible king and killed himself because of his failures to rule rightly and God brought judgment upon him. David was not a perfect, but he did have a heart of, for the Lord. He realized he was totally dependent on God and ruled in a way that one would who fears the Lord. Let's take a close but brief look on how these two kings ruled. In the book Strong and Courageous by Tom Askell and Jared Longshore, they compare them in a short little paragraph. Saul was a taking king. David was a giving king. Saul was a prideful king. David was a humble king. Saul refused to listen. David heard out his counselors. Saul ignored God. David loved God. 
Saul disregarded God's word. David sought out God's word. Saul spiraled down to death at the hands of his enemies. David ascended to the throne, handing over that throne to his son at his death. If we would teach kings to observe all that Christ has commanded, we must exhort them to follow David and not Saul. As we clearly gather from our brief comparison, is one was a selfish leader and one was a selfless leader. And God blessed the selfless while dropping judgment on the selfish one. So in conclusion on this, Christ says, I've come to serve, not to be served. Christ tells us to put on his mind in Philippians and rule. Another thing that David and Jesus had in common was they were both shepherds. David killed both a lion and a bear to protect his flock from danger. A public servant, i.e. politicians, are called to do the same. Jesus was the great shepherd who ended up dying for his flock so they could live freely. This is the mind and the cost it's going to take to turn our communities around. This is a call to all men and women who have this mind and are willing to pay that cost. And for those of you in office already, please repent and be faithful to your calling to rule in fear of the Lord and out of godly wisdom. Our constitution is based on God's laws and principles, and a lot of our politicians have been chipping away at it in a direction that makes Saul look like David. If you don't have what it takes to lead our communities, please resign and let someone who will. We need desperately men and women to run for local office and be the servants of Christ and of the people. All through scripture, God judges the ruling authority in a very personal level. We cannot get very far in reading the Bible to see that being a magistrate is not separate from, uh, from your personal sin or faith. We see that first uh, leader failing miserably in Genesis 3. Adam failed to govern the garden as commanded, and he lost everything. From there, it just got worse. Pharaoh refused to fear God and his commandments, and he got crushed by the walls of the sea. In the book of Judges, there were some good kings that ruled rightly, and the people lived in peace and abundance. But it never lasted long before another judge came and squandered what God had in store for the people, and in their rebellious rule brought havoc throughout the land. Scripture clearly teaches that he judges rulers and magistrates personally by how they rule the people. In your personal devotions sometime, read First and Second Kings. Read the story of Jesus from Palm Sunday to the cross. You will find men losing their souls by how they led in governing positions. Now, fast forward to today. Nothing is new under the sun, according to the most wisest man to ever live, which would be Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. We, ha- we have governing officials who rule as tyrants all across this land. We have politicians claiming to be a Christian. However, they rule as a pagan. Christian politicians who may go to your church on Sunday will then go to bed, wake up the next day, drive to the state capitol, and vote against a bill. That would end abortion on Monday. And their conscience aren't even bothered to the least. We have nice Christian politicians ruling with zero discernment. 
and are numb to fearing God. That's the reality we're in right now. In America, what is right in the sight of God is evil to our leaders and most of the politicians that govern us from local level to the state level, and definitely on the federal level. If you live in a state that has supermajority pro-life Republicans in the House and State Senate, but they won't bring the bill to a vote on ending the murdering of our children, then our politicians are not pro-life, nor are they Christian. Proverbs 24, 10-12 says this, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Now listen to this. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not, the, not, does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his works? Politicians, local officials, state representatives, state senators, they will be judged by God personally and severely for their rule in keeping this heinous sin legal, and blood will be on their hands. Just if they would fear the Lord, it all would look different. They'd be begging for a vote to end abortion, but they do the exact opposite. Jeremiah 3.22 says, Return, O faithless sons, I will heal your faithlessness. Politicians also think that their deceptions are fair game and they chalk it up to just playing politics. They lie through their teeth to the people they are supposed to be shepherding, knowing full well their intentions are the exact opposite. Politicians will be judged by God for their lies. Politicians will be judged for their deception. Proverbs 19.9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and who breathes out lies will perish. There aren't any free passes, because Christ is all and in all. Just think, if an elected official feared God over man, what this country, what this state, what our counties, our cities would look like. I hope the picture I'm painting to you is becoming clearer and clearer. The status quo in our politics must change if we want God to bless our land. We need God-fearing men and women to run for office and not bend knees to Caesar, but proclaim Christ as King. If you have paid any attention to politics for any amount of time, you have heard of the terms conservatism and liberalism. Conservatism is just like it sounds. It's a political philosophy to conserve what we, what we have in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Liberalism is to continue to progress to a Marxist utopia where life is perfect and everyone is equal. Most Christians are conservatives and most pagans are liberal. Even though conservatism is a noble philosophy, it alone isn't near enough to change our counties or our cities. The problem lies in a biblical truth that stands the test of time. That truth is called idolatry. Human beings will always have higher gods in their life than fighting a hard fight for what is right. Most people bow out of the fight when their gods get threatened and they cave on their convictions when things get tough. Conservatism makes a poor god and is powerless unless you see it as a blessing from the one 
true almighty God. Yes, it is clear that ruling by biblical principles are best for any society. That's science. That's a fact. However, when people refuse or forget the giver of those principles and start worshiping creation instead of the creator, it all falls apart and becomes powerless. John Adams, one of our founding fathers, says it this way, Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. The problem with just being conservative again is this. Pagans have way bigger idols slash gods in their life to stand up and to fight the fight and pay the cost it's going to take to turn our counties around. Gods like money, health, family, image, fear of man, codependency, wanting to be liked, wanting to be successful, and on and on and on and on it goes. When those gods or idols get bumped up against, the first thing to go is conservatism because conservatism has no lasting foundation under it besides God Almighty. So we need a rue, right? From the beginning of this podcast when we were talking, our rue has got to be in God. It has to be in godly principles. It has to be in, in, in the statutes and in the law of the Lord. That's the rue. All right. That's why I compared this to, uh, or that's why I chose the macaroni and cheese, the jalapeno macaroni and cheese for the side dish is because this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about foundational stuff here. Another problem in just being a conservative is it's a subjective idea and the boundaries keep moving. For example, what is considered conservative today was liberal 10 years ago. Think about our government spending. I don't hear very much these days on keeping a balanced budget anymore. Now I hear when is, all I hear now is when is my next stimulus check coming? Why are more and more people saying that? Because it is revealing what their God slash idol is. It's way more exciting getting checks in the mail than preaching the gospel outside of an abortion mill. That's one example of how conservatism fails if it isn't built on an objective foundation. Another example is being forced to wear useless masks for the health of another when it's been proven many times over that masks don't work and are ineffective against viruses. However, that doesn't matter because people's gods are being pushed up against and they will do anything to try to please them. That includes believing in lies so they, are, so they at least feel safe or feel like they are doing good even though the results are to the contrary. Or putting on masks even though they know in their conscience they don't work to avoid confrontation. That is textbook fear of man. However, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is built on an objective foundation called the Word of God. It's when Christ is king of our lives we can fight and battle without compromising or caving. Those are the future leaders we need. Strong enough to fight the good fight and pay the cost. When we love God with our whole heart, souls, and minds, then we can start governing in a way that is loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now, some who listen to this podcast will claim I'm arguing for a theocracy. That is the furthest thing from the truth. I'm arguing that Christians should run for political office and take over the government at a local level first, then work our way up to the federal government. A theocracy is a wicked form of government because in a theocracy, historically, Christians 
force pagans to be Christians and burn heretics at the stake. Now, that's not what I'm advocating for. You can't force anybody to believe in Christ. What I am advocating for is true born-again Christians who fear the Lord more than anything else to take over the government at all levels and by Christians' rule, everyone, whether you believe in the gospel or not, you will benefit from it. It's science. It's a fact. If you have visited a hospital ever in your life, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you are glad your neighbor doesn't murder you, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you appreciate thieves not stealing your possessions, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you believe in teaching your children right and wrong, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you are poor and in need of food and clothing and you get them, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you enjoy if you enjoy owning property, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you are glad that slavery isn't legal anymore, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you have a successful job, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you wonder if anyone is fighting for the unborn, thank a Christian and the Christian worldview. If you are an adopted child, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you like justice, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you went to college for a higher education, thank a Christian and their worldview. If you want to be free and prosper, be thankful for a Christian worldview. If you enjoy the fruits of your labor, be thankful for a Christian worldview. So a theocracy, no. A Christian takeover, yes, please. May Christ be glorified. I'm hoping that I made a case today on my podcast on on what we need in local government. And what it's going to take to start turning around the way that our government is working at the local level. Again, I hope this is helpful. This is going to be a multi-part series in the podcast. Today we focused on local local government. We're going to be diving in more on stuff like this. Just That's what's coming down the pipe here in the next few. I'm going to try to bring in some barbecue dishes like I did at the beginning of this podcast. If you listen carefully, you actually get a lot of information in those little spoofs I do on on comparing my podcast to a barbecue dish. I'm going to be hiding nuggets in it. I'm going to be telling a lot of information um, as well. And I'm also going to be leaving out some information. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to hear from you guys. I have an email. I want you to email me at, at say no to tyranny, say yes to bbq at yahoo.com. And once you start seeing how I'm laying out these uh, symbolic dishes, you're going to know some key information that are that is missing. Hit me up in the email. Hey, like for instance, today the big one was, hey, what temperature do you cook that at? I didn't tell you what temperature I cooked that at. But I gave you just about, or when do I wrap it? When should you wrap it? Those kinds of things I left out of uh, at the beginning when we were doing that. So email me those questions. Or if you have a topic you want me to look into or you want me to talk about. Or if you have any questions on barbecuing or any of this political stuff we're talking about. Uh, feel free to email me. And I would love to hear from you and answer those questions. Um, so thank you guys for listening again. I really appreciate it. May God bless you. Have a great day. And may Christ be glorified.
Leaders like these are few and in between right now. Most counties do not have these kind of men and women who are willing to break ranks and to do the right thing. You may ask, why? Well, true leadership is hard and uncomfortable. To take a stand on your own, you must have conviction and morals in a backbone. We used to have great leaders that we have all read about in our history books. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, or just to name a few. All true leaders are selfless and are willing to fight and die for what they believe. Unfortunately, most politicians and local government believe in comfort, safety, and self-interest. By holding to these beliefs, it reveals on how they govern, and unfortunately, the people they represent suffer for their folly and selfishness. However, there is great news. Local government is vulnerable, and it is easier to infiltrate by God-fearing men and women than one might think. In just one election, it is possible to turn our counties around and make them of the people and for the people once again. We need strong, selfless individuals to flood the ballot boxes in our next election, and we can start changing the way our local government rules. It would be best if these individuals not only profess Christ, but are willing to be crucified with him as well. There is a reason why we've learned and read about those three men and uh, and women, uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., and Rosa Parks that I mentioned earlier, because they did not waver, and they gave their life for what was right. Our politicians today, for the most part, won't even give their pinky finger. However, as more people wake up, and God stirs in more people's hearts, we can and we will find selfless leaders to lead us back to the principles and laws that make society great. Those principles and laws are all based on God's law. And great, humble, selfless leaders know that. Now, we have to look and discern what kind of local leaders we have currently leading our communities. What makes, a local pol- uh, what makes local politics difficult to engage in and to cris- criticize at a local level is the fact that we who live in small communities know most of our politicians on a personal level. Two mistakes most people make on the standard of whether or not a politician is ruling justly or unjustly are these. Number one, by what kind of access they have to that person in office. And two, how strong of a personal relationship one one has with the elected official. It's pretty cool when you can get on your cell phone and ring the mayor because you may know him personally. Back in 2008, a grassroots political movement started called the Tea Party. The Tea Party was a conservative movement that popped up all all over the country. They wanted smaller government and lower taxes. They wanted conservatisms to be implemented, not just about in election year promises, not just talked about in election year promises from the establishment candidates.
Now we have to look and discern on what kind of local leaders we have leading our communities currently. What makes local politics so difficult to engage in and so difficult to want to criticize somebody at a local level is the fact that we who live in a small community 